Welcome to another edition of the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast. We talk some hoops, we have great guests, and it's always a lot of fun. I am joined, as always, by my man, Chris Dorch, the main man when it comes to the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook. What's going on? Man, it's been uh, surprisingly busy. Uh, I've been pleased. Uh, You know, you were with me throughout the whole thought process of whether we published or not in this pandemic uh, era, and we decided to, and uh, I'm really glad we did. I, I think I've talked to so many old customers who some of them have 20, 30, even now 40 years worth of the book, and I think we would have disappointed a lot of people, and because some of our competitors didn't publish, we've actually gained some new customers, which I'm happy for. I'm not happy for, uh, uh, you know, our competitors' uh, demise this year. But uh, certainly we've filled a void for some people. And the best thing, Kevin, the, the best comments that I've gotten are from people who said, thank you for giving us back some sense of normalcy. Yeah. Uh, everybody always says, okay, it's, we know it's college basketball when Blue Ribbon's out. And that makes me feel really good, uh, you know, to, to have a publication and put out a publication like that. I grew up with Street and Smiths, and and uh, I used to remember, I remember how I used to go into the bookstores and every September and just anticipate seeing <laughs> it on the newsstand. And when I did, you know, the, the glee and the joy. And, yeah. Now, now to to be a part of something like Blue Ribbon that that brings people that joy, and I talked to a first time customer uh, tonight, and he said, "Man, I opened that thing, and just like you said, my jaw dropped." He said, "I'm going to be a repeat customer." So uh, we're we're happy with that, and at the same time, it's it's bittersweet because obviously it's during a a trying time in our country, and I hate to see that some of our competitors. Uh, did not publish. Chris, as we sit here on, on this Monday, uh, the NCAA today announced it would hold the entire 2021 tournament in one location and talks with Indianapolis to have the whole thing in that area. There have been 13 cities that would have been tournament sites for this season. Those are out. Uh, Kentucky Athletic Director Mitch Barnhart, as the chair of the Men's Basketball Committee, said they understand the disappointment. He looks forward to bringing the tournament back to those impacted sites, which included Lexington in future years. But Chris, one thing we know, the NCAA is going to do whatever it takes to have the tournament after canceling in 2020 and missing out on $375 million. Of, uh, million. The upside is we'll get tournament games in a place that, that really cares about college basketball. Indianapolis, you have lots of possibilities for different venues like Hinkle Fieldhouse or you know, Lucas Oil Stadium or the uh, the arena where the Pacers play. Uh, you have a lot of cool places around that area where you'll be able to have tournament games and, and have re- everything in what they're calling a controlled environment, maybe not necessarily a bubble, but any team who comes will have to stay until they're eliminated. And that means the final four teams are going to be there for about a month. So that's the plan anyway for uh, the NCAA tournament coming up this spring. You know, I think it's a great idea. And it was one that I anticipated just from talking to various contacts, coaches, uh, uh, conference uh, associate commissioners and people that I know. And you're right, Indiana – I mean, Indianapolis is a great site. I mean, you got Lucas Oil Stadium, you got the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, the Banker's Life Fieldhouse, and even if you had to, historic Hinkle Fieldhouse, which yep. is not that far down the road. And, and so you could have all these sites going off and you're right. It wouldn't be a bubble, but it could be a controlled environment. And 
you would have testing and uh, temperature checks. And, uh, you know, the only thing that negative I could see is if, and, and th- there's contingency plans for this. If, if a team had uh, a COVID case that actually qualified for the tournament, uh, the NCAA has plans for replacing it. Yeah. So I really hope that that doesn't happen, but I think it's a good idea. I, I've, I've been to a final four in Indianapolis. I like it there. Um, I think the most memorable sites that I've been to for the final four, at least for me personally, San Antonio was an awesome place. Uh, I think that was, that was in 2008 and, uh, New Orleans in 2012. Just to me, that stands out as my all time favorite, uh, final four, just from the standpoint of, Hey, it's New Orleans and, you know, just hanging with friends and and then obviously seeing some good games. That's the year, obviously, Kentucky won. I've, I've been to a couple of Final Fours in Indianapolis. I uh, went in, let's see, 1997. I saw the championship game when Arizona beat Kentucky in overtime. And then I went again in 2010, uh, saw the semifinal Saturday, which included Butler's semifinal win that got them into the championship game uh, against Duke and, you know, led to that uh, memorable final on that Monday night that year. So, yeah, that – I always think Indianapolis is a perfect place to have a Final Four. Everything's very centrally located right there downtown. Lucas Oil yep. Stadium's an awesome building to have that thing. So um, I, I think this is a good idea, and I, I think it'll uh, probably uh, serve them well. Though I'm sure they'll have a good plan on where to play everything, and uh, it, it'll it'll go just fine for them. And, you know, you hope by that point maybe there's uh, progress on everybody having a vaccine or, you know, something, you know, a little farther down the road and uh, maybe the situation's a little bit better. So uh, that plan was announced by the NCAA and uh, and uh, sounds like a, a good one and, and one that will probably work pretty well once the uh, NCAA tournament gets here uh, in early 2021. Chris, one thing I wonder in, in the here and now, what's going on with the schedule Rick Pitino suggested that uh, college basketball might be better off if they push the season back. He is, of course, now the, uh, the head coach at Iona. The NCAA senior vice president of basketball, Dan Gabbett, says they're going to keep the November 25th start date, which is now next week. The Ivy League has canceled its season. you got students in four of the eight schools in that league going to class remotely this fall. But that's not really expected to be the first in a chain of cancellations. But the more I talk to people, the more it feels like it's going to be really difficult to – keep this the schedules that people have put in place on the rails and, and not have a lot of games canceled and, and, and seasons that look very different when they're actually played versus what they look like right now on paper. Yeah, I think we've seen that with football. And, you know, there's obviously uh, any sport that's not the NBA. Uh, and I guess the, the PGA Tour, I mean, I watched the Masters over the weekend, as you probably did. And, mm-hmm. and uh you know, but I think that there's going to be some stops and starts. I hate to say it, but there will be. The the, the virus, if if you look at the map, is has really kind of gotten out of control in some places where you wouldn't even expect it. I mean, like uh, South Dakota, for example, which I think, if I'm right, has 885,000 people in the whole state, and that's where uh, the the big new arena there was going to play host to some games. And I don't think that's a very prudent place to go now. Uh, the Mohegan Sun, uh, I think, has scheduled 45 games, and they've partnered with a medical center. And, and I think those games could could go off. But the big thing now, I think, is travel. And, 
a lot of teams are trying to stay close to home. Andy Kennedy from UAB told me that they don't get on a plane till January. So, and you know, so many schools are, have, have come up with MTEs on the fly. And, and so I think, uh, there are going to be some stops and starts, but I would like, I would love for us to have a semblance of a regular season yeah. and then have the tournament again. And you're right. I, you know, the, the last couple of days have brought good news about vaccines. Uh, one of them has uh, 90% uh, efficacy. Uh, that's a new word I've learned this year. Uh, and I'll have to look that one 95%. Out. So, you know, that's very promising. And they say that, Frontline workers might even be able to start taking those vaccines uh, in December. So I would hope that, you know, athletes uh, and, and people that are, that are at risk uh, would be near the top of the list. I'd certainly stand by and, and stay in my, my uh, hideout, my hidey hole, uh, and give my uh, vaccine up to somebody that's, you know, do, doing more important work than I am. Sure. Should mention all the best, too, to Jim Beheim. Speaking of people who have tested positive for uh, COVID, he announced Sunday that he tested positive. said he began uh, an isolation period at home. He wasn't experiencing symptoms, uh, and hopefully that won't change. But uh, Beheim turned 76 on Tuesday. Tom Izzo of Michigan State has also tested positive. So uh, wish nothing but the best for, for those guys and certainly anybody who's uh, you know battling uh, the, this disease. But uh, Jim Beheim the uh, the latest college basketball coach to uh, announce that he's tested positive. Yeah, that that's kind of scary. Coach Beheim is is in that age group that actually they say sixty five and up, but uh-huh. I don't I don't think Tom Izzo is quite at sixty five. But it's scary. Um, I mean, it from from what I can gather, it, it just affects different people differently. Some people can shake it off. Uh, I've known people. Uh, uh, and coaches that have had it, Frank Martin, uh, South Carolina had it. And he said he didn't feel sick at all, but that afterwards he just felt off. You know, he couldn't explain yeah. it, trying to figure it out. Uh, Nate Oates, uh, the Alabama coach had it. And, and I, you know, it's, it's almost impossible to, to stay out of harm's way at this point in time. Uh, because it just, like I said, it's pervasive. One thing you wonder for Wichita State. Is Greg Marshall indeed on the way out after reports last week that he would resign or be fired? And then what happens? You're probably looking at an interim coach this season for the Shockers, but you know, down the road, what happens then for you know what's become a really good program and and at times a national power? I mean, do they go the route of somebody like Thad Motter or John Beeline or maybe a, a younger coach like Matt McMahon from Murray State or Adrian Griffin, who's a Wichita State, a Wichita native and uh, an assistant with the Toronto Raptors, or old Grant, Danny Manning. you got some, you know, a lot of different names being thrown out there, but all that's contingent on Marshall not being at Wichita State anymore. We kicked around some of the uh, the allegations and things a few weeks ago, but uh, you wonder at, at what point does that happen before the start of the season here? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, I, I think a couple of news outlets broke that it was imminent and that it hasn't happened yet. I, I would imagine that, that lawyers are, are involved in, in trying to, to get a, a, some sort of an exit for him. It, it really didn't sound too good uh, when some of his former players at Winthrop got on the record with the athletic and, and so many people, so many players had transferred out of, out of, out of Wichita state and, 
you know, usually where there's smoke, there's fire. And I'm surprised that it's taken this long if, if the allegations are true and, and the, the, the pattern, the consistency yeah. of, of, of his behavior. I'm surprised it's taken this long to catch up to him. But, you know, that is a good job. He's made it into a good job. It's always been a good job. It sells out every game. It's a big basketball town, great arena, you know, a good league. So I, I would think, I would think they would consider somebody and like a, like a Matt McMahon from uh, Murray, a, a younger coach who, who can build it up. Although, you know, any program that had the chance to hire a John Beeline would, you know, you got to give that every consideration. He's, I guess he's what, 67, but you know, I, I think he's, uh, he's still fit as a fiddle and, and one of the smartest coaches and best coaches in the history of this game. And I think that would be a great hire for anybody. Chris, this week in our uh, blue ribbon report, our newsletter that comes out every week, um, I wrote a story about Terry Taylor of Austin P, and it's kind of along the theme of players that have chances to set records, whether it's school records or, or conference records and so forth. And so many things are in play for, for Terry Taylor of Austin P. He's the returning OVC player of the year. He's a three-time all-conference selection and has a number of records in his sights, including uh, the career mark for points at Austin P. And, you know, if they played a normal schedule and, and he really had a monster year, he had an outside chance at breaking the OVC record, but really had a nice conversation with the uh, the Bowling Green native the other day and wanted to give our uh, listeners uh, a chance to hear that conversation. So here's my interview with Terry Taylor, the OVC player of the year from Austin P. Terry, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Terry joining us for, from Austin P in Clarksville. Has this been just a really a strange off season to to finally get to this point where you're ready to to get back and, and play some games again soon? Uh, yeah, it's been very strange. You know, usually like I'm here during the summer and whatnot, but due to the whole COVID thing, I was stuck in Bowling Green, and I had to I had to adjust to trying to find ways to work out and get shots up. But just to get to this point, you know, it kind of made me thankful to play the game even more than I'm already uh, thankful to play. But, yeah, no, I'm excited, ready to play. Uh, I'm, I've been counting down the days for the first game because I've low-key been tired of practicing with my teammates. Is <laughs> um, it fun to think about what could be ahead for your, your senior year? And, and also, you know, in terms of setting some records and doing some things that uh, people are going to have a hard time approaching in the coming years? Uh yeah, you know, you know, we always try to look forward to what may be coming next. But as I've got, if I, as I've been around Coach Fig and just been around college basketball, I've known I've tried to take it one game at a time because you never know what could happen, especially in the COVID years. Well, the COVID, the COVID season, like we can, sure. we could possibly forfeit games or certain teammates might not be there. So it's just I'm trying to take it one game at a time and just enjoy my last year at the P. Why has Austin P been such a good fit for you with Coach Figure and, and your teammates there? Uh, you know, I think it's just, uh, I think it's just been me trusting Coach Fig's system and just doing what he needs of me. And my teammates, you know, they're they're good guys. Like I, I love being around my teammates. You know, it's always a good time. And I've had a lot of teammates who's been selfless and you know putting the team for themselves. And you know, it's just. She's been a great, great time here. 
Terry, you've played 100 games, all starts. How have you been so durable when I mean, some of those games, and I've watched, I mean, you, you take a beating at times. Uh, you know, it's it, it sounds stupid, but, like, you know, I've I've always played, like, through, like, little nagging injuries. And, you know, some people sit out for it, you know, until they're fully healed. But, you know, I usually, if it ain't broke, I'm going to just keep going. And uh, also, after – and after my sophomore year or during my sophomore year, I started taking care of my body more. Sure. You know, sure. Uh, getting ice treatment, whatever it is, and eating better and even trying to get my seven and a half, eight hours of sleep because that stuff's important. And the more I realized it, the more or the less injuries I got and the better I started feeling. So that's really how that's going. What was the decision like to, to come back and play another year of college ball? And how close were you to, to potentially staying in the draft? Uh, I mean, after I found out that there was going to be no type of workouts and whatnot, it was just, you know, feedback and, you know, it didn't, it didn't upset me or nothing. Cause you know, my, I always tell people my route's different to get where I want to go than other people. So I just, I, you know, I, I saw this opportunity to come back, try with OVC and even get my degree. And then we'll go on, we'll go on from there. How do, how much are you motivated by one more chance to, to get to that OVC final and maybe get to the NCAA tournament? I'm very motivated because I know if I don't get there, like I'll feel, I'll feel some type of way. I'll feel like I underachieved and like, in the aspect of not getting to the tournament and, you know, bringing a conference championship to the school because, uh, when I was in high school, like I've always brought, I always brought like re- a regional, ch- some type of championship back to my school. And my last year, I really wanted to bring the state championship back and I, 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 I did anything I could. So if it was just rebounding, blocking shots, defending, setting screens, like I was doing whatever it takes. So. It's going to be the same way this year. Like, I'm going to do whatever it takes even more just to try to get to the NCAA tournament and win the OVC. And I got to say, as a fellow Bowling Green High alum, it was awfully special to watch you guys win the state championship. How cool is that experience to, to go to Rupp and win that thing? I mean, when, you know, it's not classes, you know, where, where every, or three or four championships, it's one title for everybody. Yeah, like, I argue with my team, with my uh, Texas teammates all the time, and even uh, Alec, because he's from Georgia. And they'll argue and be like, oh, the state tournament, Texas, this, that. And then they'll say, same for Georgia. I'm just like, bro, we play for one in Kentucky. Like, <laughs> we go to Rupp Arena and it's 16 teams. And, hey, you you basically got to duke it out for the next four to five days to see who wins that one state champion. And I was like, bro, we not we not 3A champ, state champions. Like, we're the only Kentucky champions for basketball. And they just – I mean, they they think it's cool, but at the same time, they're just like, ah, the competition's not this. Now I'm like, you think that, but there's a lot of scout that goes in with uh, Kentucky basketball, and people don't appreciate it. Being a lefty, how hard does that make it for people to defend you? And also about your rebounding, what's the key to being so good at that part of it? In a in a you know skill that's so much about effort. Um, so the lefty thing, uh, I think it's just. I think it's just different because, you know, most, most people you see, you know, they're right-handed and most people don't go left or whatever, but 
me, it's, I, I damn near go left a lot. So it's just, it's, it's just something different that for most people. I think it's hard for them to adjust to switching their feet and trying to guard a lefty. And then for the rebounding purposes, it's just, it's just effort. And I basically, I basically got to the point where I, like, I knew I would play regardless of skill set and everything else, that if I rebound and gave my team extra possessions or I helped the team to one shot and got defense rebounds, that I'll play. So it really got to a, me wanting more and doing what I can for my team. And as time go, as time go, got on or goes on, like, I just – I got better at it. And I actually, like, work on it in the gym by myself sometimes. Like, I'll miss shots up close on purpose and try to, like, <laughs> go find it and search it or there's been times before practice like I'll rebound for my teammates like I won't even shoot like I'll just rebound sure. and try to find out where the ball's going to go so that's where that comes from one more about the the season itself you got the schedule you kind of know how it's going to look you're going to have two games with Murray State in December how strange is that going to be to have those two rivalry matchups right away um hey it's COVID season man anything can happen <laughs> so uh it's definitely going to be weird because usually we play them somewhere in the middle, and then we always we always play them for uh, their senior night. Yeah. So it's definitely going to be weird knowing we're we're not going to play them on their senior night and to end the season. But you know we're still going to approach it the same way. Like you know it's a conference game. It's Murray. We understand how big the stakes are, and these two conference games against Murray could determine how the rest of the conference goes if we go out and handle our business the rest of the way. So, you know, I'm gonna try to reiterate that to my team. Like, yo, we gotta, we gotta take these them two games with Murray serious, and then from there on out, we gotta understand there's gonna be a target on our back, and we gotta just come out and play and not underestimate people because the league, like even our middle to bottom uh, mm-hmm. part of our league, like they can they can get us at any point. Like we saw that last year with Belmont and SIUE. Like SIUE went in and Belmont got them, so it can happen at any point. Will it feel like a win just to get to the opener and and get the season underway? Oh, it's gonna feel it's gonna feel so good because you know at one point they weren't even for sure if we was gonna have a season. So you know, just even to get to play and even have a season is better than nothing. So I'm just excited and ready to play. Terry, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and watching you play. Here's hoping for a safe and healthy season for you coming up. All the best. Really appreciate the time. Thank you. Appreciate you for having me. That is Austin Pease, Terry Taylor, who is the reigning OVC Player of the Year and three-time all-conference selection for Matt Figures Governors and a guy who uh, has a chance to set a bunch of records this year and has just really had a fantastic college career already. Three seasons with 500 or more points, uh, was the leading uh, point-getter and, and rebound man in the, the OVC last year, and he was the only player in the country to lead his conference in both those categories. But it was fun to visit with Terry and, and kind of get his perspective on uh, what's coming up potentially with this season, and I think more than anything, and I would say almost every player in the country probably shares the same sentiment, just ready to get out there and play a game and, and, and do something that, that feels normal in terms of playing college basketball again. Yeah, and the the one thing that you, you mentioned, he's got a chance for some some historic numbers, and the NCAA has already said that winter sports athletes will have another year of eligibility if if they want to, or if their schools can work it out scholarship wise. So, you know, that, that's certainly a, a possibility for him. And mentioning our newsletter, um, 
last week we we issued a a story for free uh, a mammoth uh, piece that I wrote on John Fulkerson from Tennessee. It it kind of slipped up on me. It got to fifty six hundred words, but uh, you know that's what you can do when you're online and yep. and you own the company. That's right. <laughs> no, uh, I, I just I you know I, I teach and I always tell my students. I, I said, you know, I don't mind if you write long, as long as every word counts. Uh, and this was a situation where uh, I'm not saying every one of those 5,600 words was vital, but boy, I got some good stuff on a great kid from a great family who, as you know, uh, was hurt as a freshman, uh, seriously hurt. It really, his career might've been in jeopardy and, and he, he had been really playing well. And, and at the time he was, more uh, highly regarded than Grant Williams, huh. who became a two-time SEC Player of the Year, and and the story was all about Fulkerson getting his way back and finding his way, and then eventually last year, assuming the role that everybody thought he could, you know, he scored 27 at Rupp Arena. Tennessee's only won six games in 38 or 44 tries there, and uh, he had 27 points and six boards and. Uh, Coach Cal said they tried everybody they could on him, and they just he said he was a tough cover. So um, that was a good story. Uh, we like to write the, the feel-good stories and uh, stories of people who uh, have encountered and persevered and, and uh, I think, played with courage and, and carry themselves. This kid is, uh, you know, you can't I, – I talked to ten different people about him, and nary a negative word was spoken. On a sad note, Chris, uh, some terrible news this week. The uh, death of UT Martin coach Anthony Stewart. He was only 50 years old and got that word on Sunday night. He'd been head coach of the Skyhawks since 2016. His son Parker had played for him and transferred from Pitt to uh, UTM to play for his dad and really had a heartfelt message on social media. But, man, Stewart was known as just a good guy, a good leader, several stops as as an assistant coach. Uh, He played basketball and baseball at Mount Union. Uh, the UT Martin Chancellor, Keith Carver, is a really nice guy, uh, said Stewart focused on developing young men to be leaders, stressed the development of the entire person well beyond athletics. So we really uh, express our sympathies and, and condolences to uh, the family and friends and everybody around that UT Martin program with the, uh, the death of Coach Stewart. Yeah, that was just a shock. Uh, I mean, one of our associate editors, Chris Lee, texted us all, and, and you know, he had heard the news and, Wow, uh, I, there's hardly any words that that can, uh, you know, even come close to the the anguish that that his team, his family, the UTM community must feel about it, and it's unbelievable, really, because I've dealt with him a little bit, not yeah. as much as Chris and some others on our Blue Ribbon staff, but I think he was a successful businessman too before he, he yep. uh, was in college athletics and. You know, just a guy that was a, a good example, a good role model for his players. And really, that's what brought him back to the game was the fact that he enjoyed working with young people. And, you know, that was a life cut too short. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, that was just shocking news that uh, heard on Sunday. Well, let's finish with something fun, Chris. I know you and I both like to watch The Mandalorian, and my son Reed has become something of a fan as well. The new season's out. I think they've dropped three episodes. I've not seen the third one yet. I have seen the first two episodes. 
of season two. Seen some familiar things. We've got Tuscan Raiders in the season premiere. We've got X-Wing fighters in the second one. So uh, that that's become uh, must-see TV for me. I watched the whole season last year of The Mandalorian and uh, have checked out the first couple episodes this year. Yeah, I, I can't uh, I'm, I can't say anything about that third one because I have seen it. Oh, yeah? Um, I, I will say there, there's a surprise, uh, some surprise casting. Let's really? put it that way. Okay. Uh, in it, um, and, and you'll know know immediately what I'm talking about. But uh, you know, it's it's funny that John Favreau, who was sort of a a comedic actor for a time, uh, and has since become a brilliant director, he's written most of these episodes. Right. And um, this particular episode, the brand new one that you haven't seen yet was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, who is Ron Howard's daughter. And she's played uh, in, in a lot of films as an actress, but now she's gotten behind the camera. I think this is her second uh, directing gig on The Mandalorian. And I just can't say enough about Jon Favreau's imagination. Uh, a lot of people, my, my son-in-law is as big a Star Wars fan as you'll find. He's got, this is insane. He's got boxes and boxes of unopened, who thinks to do this? Unopened original Star Wars figures. Oh man. No telling, yeah, no telling what he could, you know, sell those for. But, uh, my son-in-law, who, who is, his name is Chris as well. Uh, but he, he says that this might be the best Star Wars iteration of any of them huh. from the originals to the, the sort of not well thought of, uh, prequels uh to i think uh, much better once disney got a hold of it yeah uh whatever you call prequel sequel whatever they are yeah the, the, the three uh, that and, followed and now, yeah and, and of course you had some animated stuff and and this mandalorian to me it's it's really well done and again john favreau who's directed iron man uh kudos to him i mean the writing is brilliant i mean you can tell i'm I'm a writer and I under, I appreciate a good dialogue and, and John Favreau just nails it. He just nails it. So yeah, you'll like, you'll like episode three. I think my son's seen it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it. He, I, I, yeah, told, I hope he doesn't I, give it away. I, I told him I didn't. Come on, man. Don't, don't give it away. Yeah. Dad. I didn't want any spoilers. Anything. No spoilers just yet. That's so, right. So that's cool. It's fun to watch the Mandalorian. Well, when it comes to talking uh, college basketball, it is the way uh, that we, they, we uh, bring you the Blue Ribbon Podcast every week, and uh, we'll do it again next time. Chris, always a lot of fun, man. I uh, enjoyed it, buddy. He's Chris Storch. I'm Kevin Ingram. This is the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast, and we will talk to you next time.